Welcome to the Brew Time Podcast. On today's episode, I am going to be chatting to Jo Milmine from Business Without the Bollocks. Today, we're going to talk about how her content attracts the right kind of people for her business and how she doesn't follow the rules and does things differently. I'm hoping you're going to get a lot lot out of today's episode. So grab yourself a brew or a coffee or hot drink of your choice and settle down and have a listen. All right, tell tell me about Shiny Bees podcast, how that all started and how it links to business without the box. Are we have we started now? We are have we, sta- we have, have started. started. You snuck that in there. You're a I proper did. journalist. Look at you. It's like I don't even know I'm on the record and I'm on the record. <laughs> I did say I'm recording now. You did. You did warn me in fa- in absolute fairness. Um, look look at this. I like this. We were having a conversation before this started. And yeah. then the like, uh, I think our body and how our, how we talk has changed as soon as I said I'm recording now. Yeah. It suddenly slipped into the conversation changed slightly. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, right. now we're doing it properly. We're professional podcasters. Well, one of us is. I hate it. I, if I don't look at you, by the way, while I'm talking, don't get distracted by that because that's why I don't do video because when I'm talking about something, I always look around. <laughs> I look really shifty. <laughs> no, no, you've got you've got your thinking space. It exists. Is that what like, it is? Yeah. I think it is because I was looking up into the right as well and I'm like, does that mean you're lying? Which is the one that means you're lying? When you scratch your nose, are you lying? Like, oh, you say I'm that lying. <laughs> everyone's going to be scratching their nose now. I know. I bet they've all gone like that subconsciously. Like, like saying don't yawn. Oh no, don't because I will yawn then and I look bored. I sound bored. <laughs> I do it all the time. It's really bad. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Tell me about the podcast. Your podcast. The actual podcasts are on this. Oh, right. Okay, cool. So the Shiny Bees podcast um started in 2012. It's a knitting podcast. And it came about after starting a blog. Initially, I started a blog in 2011, also called Shiny Bees. The name Shiny Bees comes from the nickname that my granny gave me, my grandma Mac, who pretty much like brought me up when I was little, as as happens up north. Um, she was Scottish, like exactly like Super Grand, proper no messing. So I think that's where I got it from. And yeah, she used to call me Shiny Bees as a nickname. She also used to call me Cocky Bendy, but I wasn't convinced by the Google foo on that. So I went with Shiny Bees instead. <laughs> Excuse me. I totally want there to be a podcast called Cocky, Cocky Bendy. Bendy. I might just do it, mate, for a laugh. Make it a comedy podcast. Um, tell stories about my grandma and her super thick um, gravy. And she used to make, uh, for Christmas, she, I've, I've actually got the trifle bowl downstairs, but she used to make trifle. And it would be like a three or four day job in the front room. And the front room was the one that you didn't go in. Um, so it was quite cold because the radiator wasn't on. And she'd be like layering this this trifle for days. So by the time it actually got to Christmas, it was about a week old. And um, the custard was super thick. Like it was like like an egg custard tart almost, not runny custard like they do everywhere else. Um, but she was a legend, basically. She taught me to knit. Shiny Bees was a nickname for me and um, that's where it came from. So I started this blog and at that time it wasn't, I wasn't thinking about SEO or content or anything like that. I was just like, I'm going to learn how to knit again. 
and I'm just going to start this blog just for something to do. I don't even know where the initial idea came from. And so I obviously didn't think anything about any of, of the kind of strategic things or branding or anything. I just went for it. And that developed into a podcast. And the podcast started in 2012 with a pilot. I was taught to do it by Martine, which her, she did the I Make podcast at that time. I don't know if you remember that. It was a long time ago. That is a long time ago. A very long time ago. Uh, 2012, that's forever in internet years. And um, she was doing that podcast. I'd listened to it. I'd like, become friends with her over the internet. And she helped me set up all the tech. And I just started talking about knitting and living in South Africa and all of that good stuff. So that kind of progressed on. And I used to be in the Air Force before I started writing a knitting blog. <laughs> Total domestic, you know, like killing people to knitting and writing a blog. Lovely. Well, I, I don't know, what did you do in the Air Force? Because I don't think I've ever asked you that. Have you never asked me that? I've it's not, it's not a secret. Um, I worked in a bunker underground bunker which obviously as an northerner is brilliant you know it's like we love being underground I'm from Wigan we're all miners (laughs) went down a street but yeah um, I was an aerospace battle manager as it was called then it's now called air operations brackets control and I was a weapons controller which is what it used to be called and I think they're still called weapons controllers now they've had a few branding changes and effectively, it was like, you know, in the Battle of Britain and they had those dolly bears that would push the wafts, it would push things around with the little little sweeping brushes Yeah, on the, on the big map to direct the aircraft to the right place. It's like that, but modern. So on computers, using radar feeds, talking to fast jet aircraft, talking to tankers and um, being the person that, you know, when there's some drunk idiot on a Ryanair flight? And they have mm-hmm. to divert because they're, they're like pretending they're going to blow the plane up. Um, and the fast jets go, the typhoons go and intercept them and take them to another aircraft, airport. I was the person telling the typhoons where to go. So that, that, that is amazing. It is pretty cool. It sounds a lot more glamorous than it is. The reality was I spent an awful lot of time watching Jeremy Kyle <laughs> in a bunker. <laughs> Best <laughs> recruiting advert ever. Um, <laughs> Because when you're working, you're working hard. It's like, it's like air traffic control and you're providing a lot of the same services and you have to keep away from all the civilian aircraft and all of that. And you're talking on the radio all the time. So I was kind of used to talking to them in a microphone before that. Um, but when you're not working, you're really like, not <laughs> nothing happening <laughs> other than Jeremy Kyle. Quite a bit of homes under the hammer, if you were lucky. And it depended because they tend to do the flying in waves um, at the same sort of times. So if it was British summertime, you might get home under, homes under the hammer. You might not. You sort of missed it depending on whether it was where the clocks were, basically. Anyway, segue um, from from that to, um, but it's relevant to the podcast. And then the kind of coaching stuff and the ops project management stuff sort of started um from the podcast so I was doing that for fun um just to kind of learn it I learned taught myself WordPress development I taught myself all the other stuff you need to know and people just started to like ask me for help with stuff and obviously I've got quite a bit of like leadership management operations management uh, project management experience from the Air Force so I sort of brought that across to working with um, businesses in the yarn community and 
doing things like helping them when it comes to take on staff or helping them expand or helping them organize their stuff because very often these businesses and a lot of small businesses as you'll know yourself kind of start off in a very organic way and it's like I'll do a bit of this do a bit of that or I'll do a bit more or they want a big order and it kind of starts to snowball and because it was never set up as a this is a big business from the beginning people don't do things like have um you know like operating procedures and processes that are documented it's all based around them and they don't know how to take on staff because they never planned to take on staff and all this other stuff so I started to work with with small businesses doing that and bringing in I've got tons of obviously air force experience doing that so I sort of translated it across to be more creative friendly <laughs> can't go around shouting at creatives it doesn't work <laughs> I just I'm not bothered Joe I'm just gonna sit here and paint <laughs> Um, but luckily, I'm, I'm creative as well. I am like that. So although I've, I've learned to be organized and work in a, a, as a cog in a machine um, and appreciate the value that brings, I'm not totally like, it must be this way. Um, I'm quite flexible about how I do things. So that then started to kind of grow a bit more. And I had kind of more clients really than I could deal with on a day-to-day basis. Because some stuff I was doing was like almost like VA work initially, because that's what they needed. Uh, and I moved more to advisory because you can't be that involved in that many people's businesses and do a good job, I don't think, um, with the amount of support they needed. It was really that point where they needed to bring in staff so they could continue the growth with a member of staff that could do that. Um, so that kind of morphed into business without the bollocks. <laughs> tangent. <laughs> that is such a large jump between knitting podcast to business without the bollocks but I love that you've done that you've turned your podcast into this amazing business yeah and I really struggled with the name for ages and ages because I couldn't find anything that really described you know that I wanted to say out loud that really described what I wanted to do and there's tons especially now, this was, I think, 2016, 17, maybe, um, this kind of started to come come alive. Um, there weren't as many then of the kind of membership communities and online training and mini courses as there are now. There are a lot more now. But even then, and still now, I believe, a lot of it is so pink and fluffy and pastel and millennial pink and script font and flowers and peonies and, you know, rose gold freaking pens. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm absolutely not dissing that at all. Like if that aesthetic appeals to you and you like your things to look that way and you like script font, crack on, mate, you know, crack on with that. You wear your white jeans and your pink cashmere and love life. Like that's great. But there are people like us, and and I know we're quite similar because we've known each other for a while now. We weren't, you know, we weren't in the lovely wine bar in Wigan. It's never been a lovely wine bar in Wigan, let's be honest. <laughs> but we weren't in the trendy bar, right? We weren't. We were at the indie night drinking 50p Rolling Rock, right? And in, in the pub where all the misfits went. Right? The Tudor in Wigan, very proud of being a misfit. And I fitted in perfectly there with everyone else who were in bands and they wore 70s clothes and flares and all of that. Adidas Campus, still wearing those. Um, <clears throat> There wasn't really anything around there for people like that who didn't identify with either the massively American bro culture, push, 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 market this, funnel that, blah, 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 like jocks, basically, culture, or the turbo pink 
it's for girls. I'm a girl boss. There was nothing really in between that was like, yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that bollocks. Like, I just want to do things my way, and I, I just want to be with other people that are, you know, are like me. So that's where it came from because I was having this conversation and I was like, I can't think of a name. Like, I can't think of a name. I said, my people, they're just the cool, you know, it's like, they want to do business, but without all the bollocks. And I was like, that's it. That's it. Obviously comes with its own challenges. Bollocks is not great when it comes to spam filters and you can't get ads approved, (laughs) all of that. But it's a brand that everyone sort of loves. They love the kind of ballsy sort of positioning statement. They identify with that quite strongly because they they rail against the pink millennial stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a quite a bold kind of statement for a knitter, I guess. But I think there are a lot of people that are like that and it appeals to people who want to run their own business because they're a bit of a rebel, but I didn't want to be a rebel. Like I don't want to be like rebel, the rebel group, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I rebel if I could be bothered. Like I was never joining in in the first place. I was in the Tudor. <laughs> bothered to rebel. I like that. But, but, but I think that's what that's what makes me think that what you do is so interesting content-wise. Because when I was writing these questions, I was thinking about my customer journey to hiring you as my business coach and to joining this reset thing that you're doing was I start, I found you when looking for knitting podcasts to listen mm. to, primarily because I had the knitting subscription business. Yeah, Sonic Knits. Which is not now no more. But, um, but primarily because I had that, but because I wanted to see what other people were doing with podcasts. And, and then I was like, how on earth do you do a podcast about something that's so visual mm. and make it good? as audio and I listened to yours and one it's a northern voice which I think really connected <laughs> two it's incredibly funny and it's not necessarily all about knitting and I was listening to this going oh I need to find out more about this person and then realized she had a Facebook group and went and joined that Facebook group and there was nothing there's no retargeting ads hitting at me there's like there's nothing like in my face sign up to this do this you've just built this community and I wondered if my journey to you is the same as other clients journeys to you and if there's a real link between having that podcast about knitting and attracting your dream clients there is definitely because a lot of my initial clients, a lot of my current clients have either come through that podcast or through somebody that has listened to that and has met me via that or via a podcast that I've been on and they've heard me and gone, yes, you are my kind of person. I do use a podcast a lot because I find it very easy to speak. I love writing um, and really enjoy that as well. But the podcast is definitely where I feel that I'm kind of at home and it's not work for me and it feels like I can just sit down and talk. So it's definitely been something that has helped people find me and also listen to my voice a lot. And this is something that I say about podcasting all the time is that with video, it's really hard to catch someone's attention for any length of time. You've got to be super interesting. And none of this ridiculous waving at the camera as as someone is scrolling through it's just cringy. It is cringy. So you've got to be 
on video, I think really engaging and, and and to have quite a lot of skill to make that work. And as we were talking before, I move a lot, I look around a lot, I gesture a lot naturally. So I'm a little bit like, oh, I don't really want to be on that. Um, I don't mind life, but I can't, I don't want to edit my face talk. <laughs> I love my face, <laughs> but like, like, keep still. But obviously I can, I can wave my arms and be all giddy over a microphone and nobody can see it and and I enjoyed that and I think because I am very animated it works for a podcast because you know the modulation my voice moves around you can hear all of it it sounds quite natural um but people will listen to a podcast for a lot longer because they're normally doing something else at the same time they're either on a walk with the dog or they're cleaning or um riding a horse in a Danish forest actual fact and we're no friends <laughs> but they're no doing way. something else and they just want a bit of company right in their ears while they're doing it it's the same reason why in lockdown radio has become a lot more popular again because people are lonely you can't watch a video while you're driving a car safely <laughs> you know you can't read a blog while you're doing that and I just think it's a really intimate method of communication because you literally put someone most of the time inside your head like the headphones got into your ears and you stick with them for a lot longer and I think that has been because I've not done I don't do retargeting I know how to do it I probably could I, I just don't do it um, and I don't do a lot of hardcore marketing emails because of the way people come to me anyway. Like I still don't have really a proper website for Business at the Bollocks. I had the membership site that I built for a while, but I've not built any content on the back of that. It is all still super organic. Now, would my business be much bigger if I'd done that? Maybe, but I would definitely have done it in my way. And I think that's that's why I have success with it is it's, it's not, I don't, I do not look at what other people are doing in my industry. I don't listen to knitting podcasts, even the ones I'm friends with. I don't, I don't look at what they're writing. I don't look at their Instagram a lot of the time. And it, should I be checking out my competition? Probably, probably not actually, because I don't care what they're doing. Like They can do their own thing and they can be great at it. I don't want to be watching what they're doing. I'm just going to do what I, I want to do and try what I want to try and then I'm not tempted to feel like I've got to do flat lays or I've got to use these hashtags or I've got to be doing this because what works for one doesn't work for everyone so I very much kind of I'm not insular <laughs> like, I, I do talk to people but when it comes to my work I've very much tried to keep to myself because I've found that on the occasions that I've been influenced by other people to do things like this is the next big marketing thing or this is that it's not really worked and when I've come from a place of I genuinely want to help and I think this is the best way to speak about it and this is the best way to to deliver it I've found that I've got people that really resonate with that and it's not just been some pressure marketing levers persuasion tactic that's it's short-lived because people can see through it now definitely and they're becoming a lot more aware of when they're being being played and I'm just I've never been like that anyway. So I don't know if that answers the question. I mean, no, like, I was like, the sermon according to Joe. <laughs> like, no, why are you all shit bro marketers? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if it's a clean podcast. <laughs> it's not a clean podcast at all. <laughs> no, that, 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 it answers like that question and my next question that I had for you. Because... <laughs> That's two questions in one. Sorry, I'll uh, stop messing about that. <laughs> no, no, it's because 
like what I absolutely love and I think is the important message here is that you're not there constantly in people's face like sending out the weekly newsletters doing doing all the things we're told we should do you've built this really nice community that kind of exists and then you pop up every now and again and go hey everyone how, how are you getting on how, how's everything going and you just kind of check in with people and have those nice conversations that we all feel close to you because it's not a you've got 20,000 people in your Facebook group and it it's just everyone talking all over each other it feels like an actual community so when you do have something like reset 2020 lots of people are like well Joe's doing this let's do it she's going to do something good and it goes against the traditional sales funnels the how you should launch something it basically goes against everything that i probably do with some of my clients but it's your way of doing things and that that works and it just goes to show you don't need to be on social media all the time and you don't need to be sending out like launch sequences and getting big complicated sales funnels there is a question in that somewhere there is um and it's you know and it's not like i don't know any of this and it's not like I don't understand how a sales funnel works how your Facebook ads work how your marketing plans work how your launches work because I've done them and planned them for all of my clients um, they're selling something different to me you know a lot of them are product based um, they're doing things differently and they, what they need from me is to be told right, well you could do this this or this what do you want which do you feel would be better right this is how you do it which is fine um, I just don't take that approach even though I know how to do it because it doesn't work on me. Like I don't want to be put into some boring ass sequence where you just, it's the same sequence. It's like the welcome sequence. This is what you can expect. The next sequence, the soft sell, the hard sell, you know, three days, two days. Like it's just really formulaic. And I think if someone's got a problem, if someone needs, right, chips, peas and gravy, they need it now. They want chips, peas and gravy. They need it now. I have chips, peas and gravy. Just give it to them and give it to them in a way that makes it easy. You know, if they're, they're, they're going out, you know, and they're, they're just walking in, they want to go out with the chips, they'll have them open. I'll give them a nice little fork. Jobs are good. And if they're going home with it, I'm going to wrap it nicely for them. Um, and that that was the, the thing with with Reset, because you mentioned it a couple of times, was I'm just like, what do people need right now? What 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 would I What do I need? What do I need? <laughs> and try and figure it out and luckily because we, we know like you said the community everyone's an absolute freaking superstar in that community and they're all really lovely and they all get on and they all help each other with it's not one of these like snidey passive aggressive not passive aggressive but like a and it's not a humble brag I can't think of the word but you know when they come in and they're like oh blah 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 but this is actually just an advert for my things but I'm pretending to give you free value but this is an advert for my things come by my things sliding into the dms you know none of that everyone is super genuine so with the sliding into the dms it was like proper jazz hands but sideways I've never trained as a dancer incidentally <laughs> oh, clearly I've got the jazz hands are sliding to the DM arms. Um, they, you know, they don't do that. Everyone is super genuine and wanting to help each other and there's no, there's no undertow, there's no kind of like meanness or competition. So when, when you kind of offer something and say, well, what about this? I'm thinking this might help. People just jump in and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And, and it works out super well. 
which I mean, you're supposed to do, aren't you? You're supposed to ask your customer, like Ryan Levesque, like, ask your customer, ask. I've got a whole book on asking what they want, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but without being so, I'm going to follow the rules. And I guess that is, I'm hoping you're going to edit this round, but that's the point is, I don't, I know what the, the supposed rules are and I know how things work, but I don't stick to them because it's not about applying a cookie cutter to, to my community. They are people and they're all individual. They're all different. They're all coming at things from a different direction. And it's my job kind of as the leader to know everyone and to know what their problems are and not have to ask and to pay attention to what they're saying and how they're describing what their struggles are. And then to work that kind of back to something that is going to help them. And then obviously when they trust me to come help them to make sure that they they achieve what they're looking to achieve. I love that. I think that is why I think the, the, the big lesson here is that if you are yourself and stay true to yourself, you will attract the right people mm-hmm. who want to work like that. Because you well, let's just look at your community and the people you've attracted. We're all very similar and we mm-hmm. all get along and we've all found you in the similar way, so it must work. And I guess the, the other side of this podcast is like putting good out into the world, which mm-hmm. I think you do. You give so much with your time as well of helping people. Like I've had a chat to one of our mutual friends, <laughs> <laughs> one of your other clients who... <laughs> who, who I am who I am friends with and they were telling me that they couldn't believe that they'd finished their time with you and you were still checking in with them mm-hmm. and they really appreciated that because they have their ups and downs and having someone who checks in with them even outside of that like that contract and that trading is mm-hmm. just not everyone does that and that that to me says something about your character and who you are Oh, that's super kind. Thanks, dude. I didn't mean to make you blush. I know, I'm like, I'm shy now. <laughs> no one tells me how great I am all the time. <laughs> you are. You've put, you've put up with me crying on the phone to you before. Uh, well, but that's, that's it's not it's not my job. Like I say, it's my, I was going to say, well, that's my job, but it's like, well, it's not my job. And, you know, some people listen to this and go, well, Joe's got no boundaries. You know, you shouldn't be like helping people after they're done with their time. They're done. Like they can come buy more time from you, like blah, 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 which, <clears throat> sorry, it is kind of true in some ways. But I also trust myself and trust that I give off. And I, I definitely do because I, I don't get any any shenanigans from anyone ever um, give off an aura of, of like what, what what is acceptable and what what is not acceptable and I absolutely want to know how people are getting on and I, I do get massively invested in people um and their progress and how and how they're doing because it's it's not just about right I'm going to offer this product and I'm going to be a gazillionaire and I'm going to you know be on a beach drinking mojitos and and that and have my team deal with them all and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want and you just want to install a team and everything else. But I, I think a lot, obviously I've been around online for a while now and I'm still going to keep doing this the way I do it. And yes, I'll, I might build a team and yes, I might offer things in a different way at some point. But I find that when people that I followed seem to kind of lose their way, it's when they try and pull themselves back out of the business too quickly when they've built the business around them to start with. 
because people buy you. Yeah. And you do it with brands, you do it with companies. And if they do something that you don't like, like Ravelry has done recently, and you feel like you know them and you're in a, a relationship with them, um, not a weird one, but like you feel like they're not the corporate giant soulless corporation and then they turn out to be not what you expected you you know you get upset and I don't want people to think that I pretended to care about them when I wanted their money and and actually I don't give a monkeys and it was all just a process to me like that that feels quite dirty I don't like that um so I do I, I do still stay involved and at some stage, if, if things grow that big, maybe I won't be able to personally, but you can bet your ass that I will have someone else there who has the same ideals as me and the same attitude to helping people because people are people. Um, and hashtag rant, <laughs> I, I hate this idea of put your prices up super high right, and only attract the people who can pay for you. And we're going to market to those people by making them feel guilty and that the only way to to level up is to pay a ton of money to do that. No problem with charging great money and you should absolutely charge the money that you are worth. Um, No problem with anyone's price point. Um, I have got a problem by using, making someone feel bad about themselves and inadequate to market a service like coaching I, I think it's icky and I don't like it so I'll always have low price products I'll always have things that are, are at an entry level because one person's expensive is another person's I've lost that down the back of the couch and not even noticed and I think you should respect everyone for where they are because you know Richard Branson started off selling records on a corner and look at him you know so you, you want to be that person and I think this is probably the lesson from that rant is you want to be that person that is there with everyone every step of the way, that is like a long-term person that's interested in them. And you can then just build them more things. You might start off with like a seven quid ebook. What do they need next? Joe, I need this. Right, I've built you that. Right, I'll buy it then. You can take them from that zero to 100% if you focus in on those people who were with you from the beginning, I think. And I think that's the way to, to build a really sustainable business is customer acquisition costs are big right? If you're going to be running Facebook ads to get a customer or you're going to be running traditional media or whatever else, marketing is a big part of your budget. If you can keep someone for years and years and years, your customer lifetime value is massive. So, and actually you end up not needing to market because you have clients who will literally drag people in the door for you because they love what you do. So do you want to be spending five quid, six quid on a Facebook ad to sell one ebook that you've covered your cost of your Facebook ad, but your ebook's rubbish and you're not offering them anything they can't get elsewhere. So they just go off into the ether. Or do you want to build something where someone will keep coming back and will rave about you? Both models work, but I want to be, I want a bunch of ravers, basically. <laughs> I don't want flash in the pan people. So yeah. <laughs> And I think you've got that. I think that the way you work makes that happen because you care, because you check in with people and it's not just right. Our time's done and move on to the next thing. It's yeah. What is your one tip to give business owners about content marketing that they could do more with or do it better? Don't sound like a drone. So that's a negative one. Um, so I guess turn it around to be use your voice and don't be afraid to sound different and take a different viewpoint to other people. I like that. Mm-hmm. And finally, right, I was going to do, because it's the Brew Time podcast, 
<laughs> I was going to do the, um, you know, little paint swatches thing and go, which is your colour of tea? Ah, then, build a tea. <laughs> but I can't do that because it's, it's audio, it's not video. And I could get everyone to circle it, but it seemed like a lot of hassle. I'm all for like least amount of hassle. So I've gone for tea bag before milk or tea bag after milk. Oh, right. The great okay. tea divide, tea bag See, before after milk. I was already there. I'm like, no, you totally need to like give them the paint chart, the tea paint chart, and get them to do it. And then underneath their picture on Instagram for like your episode, you put which tea, which colour, which shade they are of tea. I may well do that. You may get one sent to you an email after this. Night. I know. Well, it depends what time of day it is as well. Um, because if it's in the morning, I only have, surprisingly, <laughs> um, I only have two cups of, of actual real tea. Don't drink coffee. It makes me hyper two cups of real tea a day has to be Thai food and it must be the bag first what kind of heathen puts milk in first what if you cough and put too much in what if you've not got the exact amount of water like my husband's southern and you know the worst thing he does other than putting balsamic vinegar on chips the second worst thing he does is he'll make a brew right but he doesn't fill the cup up enough with the water. So by the time it comes, it's like two thirds of it. I'm like, have you drunk some of it? Where's the rest of my brew? This is not a full cup. You know, weights and measures, people. This is not a full brew. <laughs> you get locked up. If this was a pub, you'd get locked up. Um, but in the afternoons, segue, I, um, I drink rooibos tea, red bush tea, which is caffeine free with milk. The South Africans drink it with milk. This whole not drinking it with milk thing is made up, right? It's not that herbal. It's proper brew. Put milk in it and a bit of honey. I like heather honey because it's got like a nice toffee taste. So I'm quite specific. But yeah, anything after half 10 in the morning is rooibos because otherwise I'd be like, ah, all day. I love I've had that. three brews this morning, actually. That's why I'm so giddy. I love how particular everyone is about their cup of tea. Yeah, it's not, you don't mess about, we're British at the end of the day, you don't mess about with the tea, like you've got if, to take it seriously. If there is anything that shows you brand loyalty, it's the tea. It is, what brand are you though? Oh, have a guess. Yorkshire? Yeah. <laughs> Yorkshire gold. No, I, wish every, I wish I was doing videos so everyone could see that. that face <laughs> <A little. laughs> well, I can't even describe it, it was sort of like, you know, if you gave a child um, like some spinach and they stick the tonga and they do these wiggly things with their hands. That that was the face that I made. I think it was like the exact face. I, I feel like, I feel I should defend my Yorkshire tea. You don't need to. It's a very popular brand. There is a Lancashire version, like Lancashire tea, it's rubbish. Um Tetley, I wouldn't mop the drip. Tetley. Is Tetley? There's also Tetley beer. I get confused. I wouldn't mop the drains with Tetley. Dreadful. The Air Force used to get it in massive catering bags and it is the worst tea, shortly followed by PG. Dreadful. So no typhoon only for me. Um, occasionally a bit of twinings, occasionally. Um, but my brother has to buy the typhoon for me in B and M's because no one's toxic because nobody else buys it. <laughs> you are probably the one woman keeping typhoon in, in in business. I full up cleaned out Tesco's in Bookshire. They had it on half price because they were getting rid of it in hundred. You know that like, boxes, the massive ones with like eight things in. It's more than 100 then, isn't it? It's got to be like 500. 480, I think it is, in the box. And, um, yeah, I bought about eight of them. Took a lot to China. Ironically, took a lot to China. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you took tea to China with you. I know, I know. 
But I, I, I take my brew seriously, mate. I don't want to be drinking all, all of that crazy stuff that they drink. <laughs> like, there's all sorts of teas to try there. I just, you know, I just wanted to keep it keep it simple. <laughs> I like the jasmine tea because they do the loose tea. Then you've got a little thing that you put. You can get it everywhere, um, and you've got you've got a little strainer that you put in the top of your your brew. It's not in bags. It's, it's that proper in big bits as well. And it's really nice. I love those teas where you get chunks of them. I used to have the little little clamshell thing that clasps mm. together, but I've been through about five of them and my kids keep breaking them. So I'm figuring that it's now no longer environmentally friendly for me to do that. So I have tea bag socks instead. Ooh, tea bags. What's a tea bag sock? I didn't know they were called this. Someone else told me they were called this. Mm-hmm. It's like a long tea bag paper bag. And they, they don't have any plastic or anything in them. And then you spoon your little loose leaf things into them and then they're fully compostable. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So that was episode two of the Brew Time podcast. We were chatting to Jo Millmine today. It was great to have her on the show and get her insights on how she does content differently. If you want to find out more about what Jo does and Reset 2020... There are some links in the show notes below. Please do sign up to the newsletter because each week I send out actionable points and a mini to-do list for you all of the things that we've been chatting about in the podcast each week. And you'll be the first to know when the new podcast goes live as well. Plus, I'll send some other great tips and hints along the way. So thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.